everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about uh, the past year, because it's the end of the year, and so we're really excited. We reminisce about all of the different shows that we've done, and the various guests that we've had on, um, and then we start talking about our games, and I get really excited about the Shadowfell. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over there at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. It's so happy to have you guys here for our last show of 2018. Um, We were just talking before the show started and getting, like, nostalgia because we've been doing this... This is episode 49, because we missed a couple episodes due to just, like, real-life things. Um, but that's a pretty good track record. 52 weeks, and we did 49 uh, episodes. So, yeah. crazy. That's, that's super crazy. Like, I never would have thought. Like, when we talked about this a few weeks before we actually launched it, yeah. we, were, we were just kind of meeting each other. Uh, we played in some games, and it was in that, we had this idea that we might try to do something like this, and we were batting around like times we might do it, or what would be the format, or what would we do. And then, even then, I might have said, well, you know, maybe we'll do a few shows. You know, maybe we'll do 10, 20-ish, maybe. I never thought 49 shows. Yeah. That's, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, no. So, funny story, like how this all happened was yeah. Lucian kind of contacted me and was like, hey, I saw your YouTube channel. And I kind of want to do like a podcast or something like that. And I was like, that sounds really cool. And then I think we didn't talk for like five months. Like you contacted me and I was just like, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's try something. But like I was busy and you were busy and we just kind of like fell out. And then for some reason, the new year started and I was like, we should get back on that. Or like it was the end of the, of 2017. And we were like, we should like get back on that. And it was one evening where you're like well we could do it tomorrow and i'm like well we don't have any overlays or anything ready and i think i stayed up till one or two in the morning making an overlay and getting everything ready so that we actually could could run that saturday morning uh and so then we woke up and we did and i think our first show was like 30 minutes long because we didn't really know what we were talking about and i was like yeah that seems like good we'll keep it at 30 minutes and then since then it's just been like uh it's hard to keep it under an hour sometimes so yeah yeah, it's funny. It it has evolved like in the immediacy. Like nothing was planned out for sometimes. weeks, and then it happened. It was like, here we go. We're just gonna do it. We dive in and we just do it. <laughs> so it's always been good. But it's been super fun the whole time. Like a, even if uh, and this, I do not absolutely. I almost don't want to say. I'm gonna knock on wood. But even if it ended today, it was such a cool experience to put the show together, work with Jordan this whole time. Uh, do all the things that we've done because it's been super fun just talking about the things that we're we're passionate about, we're yeah. geeks about. And just the whole year, I mean, going to conventions and hanging out, um, doing shows, playing in games together, talking about all the games that we're interested in. It's been fantastic. And it's just been a really good show that I feel like we've always been on time. We've had every now and then a technical issue here or there, but not very many. Um, and we've gone like clockwork. So the people that want to show up know we're going to be here each morning. So just like your your vaunted Saturday morning cartoon show, <laughs> I feel like we've held up that 
that torch that is the Saturday morning cartoon show torch, you know, like we didn't just take the name and then not do it justice. I felt like we did it justice. Yeah, no, gosh, it's been fun. Like, um, it's been a lot of fun to, to do this show with you. So thank you, sir. This yes. was like a really cool idea. And, um, and like, we got to finally meet when we went to Gen Con and that was really fun. And we've just kind of become like pretty good friends. And so like, yeah. we'll message each other throughout the week about like new D and Z stuff that's happening or things in our game. It's kind of exciting. So yeah, made new friends, yeah, <laughs> had a cool show. Um, and like, not that we're quitting or anything. Like we, we no. very much want to keep doing the show because it's like, I think if it ever became a chore, we would probably stop. But for right now, it's it's just fun. So no, like, yeah, and I feel energized after every show. Yeah. Like I can't say that about everything I do. Like sometimes you feel drained. Like you put a lot of energy in it, and it was great while it was going, mm -hmm. and people loved it. But then you feel like your energy's drained. I get done at, at when we get done at one o'clock, one thirty. We we might talk for another five or 10 minutes before we've got to run off and do something. But my energy for the rest of the day, even for leading into that week builds just from being able to do this show. So it's, it's, it's an energy builder. Yeah. It feels creative. It feels like my, my mind is really coming up with cool stuff because I bounce ideas off you and you bounce ideas off me and, and chat is very active um, and vocal. So they'll say something that, that strikes, you know, Oh, there's a creative, cool angle. We could do something. So it's, it's always been, I think that's what the best part of it is, is it gives us energy just every time to go on. It's never been one of those things where you feel deflated. And so I think that's why it has that, that long run feel to it. That thing that's going to stay. Yeah, no, it's really, yeah, it's just been fun. And, and looking like, back at some of the shows, oh, go ahead. Think about that. Like go through yeah. some of those dates where you're just looking at, like you talked about the first one, but even if you just jump to just a couple of the different ones, when we do our, like, what is our first interview that we actually do is uh, I, I'm out and I think you bring in not Ben, but we talk to um, the first one. So we have a Google doc sheet. That's like the master sheet where we put, we kind of write show notes and stuff. And so that's what solution is mentioning. Like we're yeah. kind of going back, but boy, I want to say the first one Lex. was Colville. It was, it was Lex. No, it was Lex. Lex. Oh no, it was Lex Mandrake, yes. but we didn't record that episode. Right. Yeah. So that was the problem. So that was the, the fabled lost episode six, I think, <laughs> because yeah, we had a lost episode, which is awful, but Lex Mandrake came on and uh, he co-hosted with me because you were out of town and I didn't realize that you had to set your settings in Twitch to record the show. So mm -hmm. I forgot to hit record in OBS. And so I, I felt so bad. So Lex, if you're watching <laughs> this, I still feel really bad about that. Like that was a great show. And, and yeah. the people that saw it saw a fun show that nobody else got to see because it's gone forever. But yeah. yeah. And then we, we get the pen I don't What's that word? Pen pentumplet? You got me. <laughs> Uh, penultimate I, penultimate that's that is it that's the one i wanted where we we i contact matt colville just before his kickstarter is about to launch he agrees to do the show we bounce it one week because he's in the middle of his kickstarter just going nuts and yeah. then he comes on the show to talk to us about the kickstarter and what's significant about that is one me and jordan have watched his channel and he's been a huge influence on us being dungeon masters and things that we do we take little tidbits that we've heard from his videos we love his channel we love his the stuff he talks about i'm a huge fan of his books and and just all that and we got him on the show to be able to talk to him which was super amazing and that's when i felt like oh my god this this is really cool 
And then it just built from there. We had more and more great guests come on. We ended with Pruitt just just a week or so yeah. ago, two weeks ago at this point from the WebDM show. And I really feel like I'm going to try to line us up some really good guests and stuff for the next year. And Jordan will have been talking like yeah. Jordan brought us Ben. We got to talk with Ben, which was really good um, from Questing Beast, who does fantastic OSR kind of stuff and is a designer himself and, and does all that cool stuff. So it was cool talking with him and and you um, had uh, uh, Colville's friend. I forget his name. Yeah, Jim Murphy. Jim Murphy, yeah. On. So one of the old schools, one of the guys that was working in a game store when D&D got placed on the shelf. So uh, an employee at a game store, young kid at that point, you know, is an older guy now. Um, and he does a lot of miniature painting and he's been building his channel. He's a, he's a personal friend of Matt Colville. Does a DM for Matt Colville all the time. So it was cool to have him on and talk about kind of the old school and not in a way of just understanding and having that reach to touch the roots of where it came from versus sometimes people use that as this is the way it's supposed to be played. And that's how you look at it. But that's not how that conversation went. It was about here's where it was then, but look how great it is even now, even yeah. though here's where that history was and here's the things that we did back then. So I thought it was super cool. And we just had some really good guests come on and yeah. talk with us and, and yeah share. there was one day you were gone we did a couple solo shows because it was just kind of yeah. inevitable but like uh one show i was like i don't think i'm going to do a show unless i find a co-host and then one of our uh one of the people that watches the show a friend of the show indoor adventurer yeah. he was like well i'll be your co-host and i'm like oh awesome and i remember i shared with him our show notes and yeah. he was so enamored with it. He was just like, oh my gosh, like I, I get like, this is behind the scenes stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, you gotta be behind the scenes because that's what we're doing now. And yeah, it was yeah. just really cool. <laughs> he was super uh, enthusiastic about it. And yeah. that was a fun show too. So getting different. And going forward, um, we uh, Lucian just mentioned it, but we do, we, we've heard your cries. People have said mm -hmm. like, do more guests. Like they like guests on the show. Um, mm -hmm. So we're, we're, currently putting our feelers out to get more guests on the show to do some more interviews and and just kind of talk uh but those shows are always slightly different from our regular show because we don't really want to talk about unless the news is super relevant but we don't want to talk about news and our own personal games we want to ask our guest questions mm -hmm. um so like like pruitt last week we were going through and we're just like oh yeah all this D, &D stuff that we did or our personal games that we didn't get to talk about i guess we can talk about today if we feel like it because mm -hmm. we had extra time so yeah, it's it's been it's been really fun. <laughs> I like that skull Dixon. Yeah, you guys are boring. Bring on more guests. I get it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> but yeah, and I think um, I think it'd be fun to have two types of guests that's coming up here, just spitballing as we're right here live online with you guys. Because guests where we bring in and we ask them questions are really good. The people that are popular that are in the in the community and people are interested, but it also like a guest host where we just treat them like they're a host. So we just do, we go over, what'd you play this? You know, like they take a seat of, they take Jordan's seat or they take mm -hmm. Lucian's because he's not here. And then you, we run it just like it's normal. Like, okay, here's the news. Here's what was in your game. Here's what was in my game. Hey, thanks everybody. Jordan will be back next week or Lucian will be back next week. Mm -hmm. And I think that'd be fun to have those two types of different guests too. The, the, so that should be fun. But there's plenty of plans. Everybody's, you know, we're in that time now where everybody's thinking about what they're going to be doing in the next year. We are definitely doing that. We were talking about that just pre-show, and we've been talking about it a little bit here and there. You know, we're always thinking about where we're going to go, what we're going to do next, and we're just going to keep building on the success. And, and I feel like the momentum that we have now. Um, and the, the community. We have these community members I've met 
I've played games with some of them. I've have some of them playing in my Revenar campaign right now. So I've got to meet Skull Dixon, you know, I've got to meet um, uh, Danimo. I've got to meet uh, Azer and all these people that came from people that watched our show and then came and played a game with, yeah. with me. So that was super cool. Yeah, it's been fun. I'm like, loving it. <laughs> the, the community is really awesome. It always has been the tabletop community, but like our little our little Saturday morning D&D show family has been really fun. Cause like, we, you know, you, we see the same names every every time we go live and we see a lot of the like, oh, like so-and-so, like like Sally commented on our uh, YouTube videos again and she pointed out Felix and it's like, oh, yeah. that's really awesome. <laughs> and so, yeah, like Catwatch 2018. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's been really fun. But uh, transitioning from this, uh, yes. the holidays. Did you have a great Christmas? What 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 did yes. you do around the holidays? Anything yeah. exciting? Well, stayed in. Um, it was one of those Christmases where we wanted to get work done on the house because obviously, if you've been listening to the show, you've been hearing that I have I moved in between. What was a huge thing, <laughs> like crazy to do in the middle of a show, move a house, set up a new studio room, or get everything done, and we're remodeling everything in the house. But a lot of work got done. So it's nice to be able to walk out in the kitchen and it has all new floor, all new countertops, all new appliances, all nice. new stuff. And to see that all start to come together, um, to get my room finally going and bookcases up and things, all that kind of stuff got going. And, but we stayed at home. So we didn't have to travel. We called and texted our, our family and friends and wished them Merry Christmas. But other than that, didn't have to go to like Christmas parties or anything, mm -hmm. even our company party, which we do a company party every year for my company. And those are usually like, I don't want to go, but I go because you're supposed to, because it's a company thing. But this year it was bowling. So it was super fun. We went and did that and had a good time. So, so even that was a really good time. So it felt good. Um, had lots of good role-playing game presents for myself that, um, I, you know, we got that are ready to like the Keyforge stuff and the new books that we're, I've gotten and um, some more games to be able to play and some stuff that's up on the shelf that I'm getting ready to play or some new PDFs. Mm -hmm. And it was really just good to sit home with the wife, stay home and not have to do too much. But how about yours? Were you one that traveled all over and had to do a ton of family stuff or did you know? So a lot of my family was out of town. And so mm -hmm. we're actually kind of doing a second Christmas today. Um, okay. so we'll, we're going to go over to my sister's place and do like a, a have dinner and, and open the presents or whatever. But, uh, our Christmas was, uh, kind of low key too. Like we just had, uh, we had a couple of, of friends come over that didn't have a lot of places to go for Christmas. So they came over and we had dinner, um, and opened some presents and things like that. Uh, I wanted to share this cause I was really excited for it, but like, so somebody on, a mutual friend of me and my wife, apparently he posted on Facebook that, or she did, that her ex, she's getting rid of her ex-boyfriend's old D&D stuff. And my wife was like, oh, I want that. So she snagged it and uh, wrapped it up for me for Christmas. So I have things like like the 1980s original like red d and I've got uh, the Fiend Folio here. From Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, Deities totally and Demigods. Um, really cool. Like the AD&D uh, Player's Handbook, Monster Manual, and Dungeon Master's Guide, and Monster Manual too. Um, and they're really fun. And I want to, like, like we were just talking about this before the stream started, that I'm like, we should run an old school D&D game uh, so I can utilize some of these books. But that was just, like, 
I think the highlight of Christmas for me was getting all of these books. And I'm like, and it was funny because my wife's like, well, I didn't buy them. It's not, and I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's just a fun gift. Like, it's really yeah. cool. But my, I was like, I felt like I was 10 years old again. And I'm just like unwrapping these things. I'm like, what? And this? And um, yeah. I got uh, some modules too. So there's Keep on the Borderlands. <sighs> Classic. Um, White Plume Mountain, a bunch of other fun stuff. Uh, yeah. And like Christmas was just low key and fun and fun, full of, of lots of RPG reading and things like that. And then yeah. on top of that, I'm got finally got all of my Dungeon Crawl Classics players to agree on a date to play DCC again. So we're going to do that on January 1st. And because everybody right. has the day off, so we're going to do that. So I've been prepping Dungeon Crawl Classics, which has an old school D&D feel to me, at least. And so I was like, well, this is really fun. And it's it's just been like a good holiday of like reading and prepping and planning. And I'm really excited for my games on both Sunday. And Well, I'm a little scared of my game on Sunday because I don't really have that as prepped as much as I want to. But <laughs> my Dungeon Crawl Classics games, I'm, I'm quite excited for. So <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> So that's cool. Yeah, like I was picking up, um, I picked up the big thing that I saw was Keyforge I've been talking about a lot. I saw it at Gen Con. Mm -hmm. I played it at um, PAX Unplugged, a, a demo game of it. I've been seeing it all over. Great card game by the guy that made Magic the Gathering and individual decks and things. And so hopefully my nephew and I get to play that today. And I just, like I, we were talking before the show, I was looking through the bargain bin and I got the strange hardcover book for 50% off. Like I can't, this thing is worth, $60 and to get it for $29.99 was super awesome. And now I have it. So now I want to run that. I got a player's guide mm -hmm. with it, but it's like, I got that and I got the stuff that I bought at PAX is like, we need more time to play all these games that we have because yeah. you've got NCC, you've got DCC, you've got all the, you know, more of the hot Springs Island stuff, you know, and, and those guys are putting out more things that are even yeah. cooler to, to go through and, and apparently so they're trying to like they're gonna make other islands and link all the yeah. islands together so it's the sword fish islands and hot springs island is one of those and um yeah. really i mean that's just a quality book so i'm really excited for more content from those people oh and i bought um oh it's way over there so i can't grab it but i bought uh <laughs> maze of the blue medusa which yes. is an indie rpg um like mega dungeon that's just a giant mm -hmm. maze and the art is amazing like it's it's really unique to that book um mm -hmm. and i guess the guy painted this giant painting of the maze and then they went through that painting and made rooms for every little section that he painted so on and when you open the book on one page there is uh, the the maze like laid out like you would see in a dungeon guide or something and then the other one is the painting and you can see them side by side and it's really cool um, and I even cracked that open like I flipped through it but I haven't had time to actually sit down and read it yet because yeah. I've been so busy prepping other stuff and reading my AD&D books and things like that but yeah that was a Christmas present to myself because I'm like I really want this um, I ended up getting the PDF and then I was I was flipping through the P or reading the PDF. I'm like, I need this in a book. I just like books better. So I went to their website and it was, I think it was like $50. And I'm like, that is a Christmas present to Jordan. Yeah, I'm enjoying having the hard book to just sit down in, in off times. Like maybe there's this 20 minutes before dinner is going to happen. Or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's just this amount of time where I just need to kill. And not a lot of it, but just here and there. And I just sit down on the couch and I open up one of these books that I've got. And every time they all are written in such a way that it captures me 
every time. So I'm like the perfect demographic for all of these RPG writers. Yeah. They, <laughs> and I'm just like, yes, yes, I want to run your game. Yes, I understand your world. This is so good. And yes, this is great. And then I'll pick the other book up. I'm like, yes, this one's great. Yes, let's run this one. And it's just like, it's nonstop. Like I haven't picked up a role-playing book yet where I said, oh, page four, I'm, this, I'm not, I'm not into this. This yeah. is not what I spend my time on. No book have I picked up that's been like that. That's, that's what's crazy about this. So I'm such a super fan of these things and I've got to play more games. I've got, I, I love playing Dungeons and Dragons. I love running, all the games I've been running have been Dungeons and Dragons 5e games but I've got to play some of these other games. I have this need. 2019 has to be the year that I play more games than just Dungeons & Dragons. Not because I don't like Dungeons & Dragons. I do, but there's so many other good games out there that deserve my attention yeah. that I have, to, I have to get to them. No, D&D so is definitely the, the <laughs> gateway drug to like yeah. RPGs. And it was for me, like I've got that Mothership game that I really want to play, which is like a horror sci-fi RPG. I want to run more Kids on Bikes because that was just really fun. Um, mm -hmm. And now I've got DCC and original D and D, uh, lots of fun stuff to do. So, it's uh, twenty nineteen. I hope to record more, um, more like like we did with kids on bikes. Sorry, my brain. Um, yeah. I wanna I wanna run a game, record it, and then put it on the Saturday morning D and D YouTube channel so that people can be like, oh, like this is how you would play this game, or or just more games with Jordan like recording live at my table. So now that I think about that out loud, maybe I should record my DCC game this uh, coming Tuesday. That could be a lot of fun. I might yeah. do that. We'll see. <laughs> That's good. I like it. More stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, did you, cause, okay. So now I'm getting confused because, uh, you flashed a book earlier before we started recording, but, mm -hmm. uh, w did you flash it recently or do you want to talk about? I did again. Oh, yeah. you did? Okay. I did so twice. I missed it. Yeah. Cause I was reading chat yeah. or something. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. the strange, the strange, like, yeah, really, so really exciting stuff. And well, we like I Numenera. want you to run a strange game. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We both ran Numenera or we, we knew about Numenera. You I played, played Numenera. Numenera. Yeah. I love it with it. I've loved it. And I was telling you, you were going to love it. And it was the first game I picked when I was going to be a dungeon master to try this whole thing out because I felt like the system was a little bit easier and not, I didn't have to know all the D and D five E stuff. I wasn't ready to jump into Hey, there's lots of rules and my players are going to expect me to know everything, which is not true, right? You have all these preconceived conceptions about 5e and why mm -hmm. you shouldn't start until you're ready when really and the reality is you don't have to wait, but I chose Numenera. Well, the strange is based on that same system and they call it the cipher system. And it was done yeah. by Bruce Cordell. Bruce Cordell is a big dungeons and dragons through third edition and fourth edition was at wizards of the coast writing stuff. Yep. And so was, um, uh, Monty cook. Yeah. who was doing a lot of stuff and they were doing a lot of weirder stuff too. And in fact, in this book, he mentions why he leaves um, TSR, I think it is, or is it Wizards at that point? He says right in the very beginning, um, I left it because he wanted to write a sci-fi novel. So he left being a game designer to write a sci-fi novel. And then Monty Cook comes to him and says, you know, that novel was so good, you should make a game out of it. And that's what this is, is that, mm. that game. And this, this is a really cool one because it's this idea of we're in the modern time now, but there's a lot of these alternate dimensions that keep bumping up into ours. And they, they create this department that tries to make sure 
things don't go crazy that are going back and forth between these dimensions. So you create your character and you're like part of the bureau kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But then when you go to these other places, you become another character because when you're, when you're, you might change bodies or you might change what you are. So here you're, you know, agent who you'd be agent Jordan here. And then they say, Hey, we need you to go check out this other recursion, they call it. And when you go there, you're actually a paladin of whatever, when you go through mm-hmm. there. So then you have this character sheet and they do a really cool thing where they have like a normal piece of paper character sheet, which is the Jordan, but then you slip on another piece that's bent the other way. And that's the paladin part. But then when you go to another world, maybe it's a pulp fiction or a noir or a DCC or an MCC style game well then you grab that sleeve and then that one you're somebody else so it's about this idea that you're changing and translating to different bodies or different avatars that represent you when you go to these other dimensions that keep bumping into our dimension you know what it always reminds me of uh have you ever seen waxwork 2 yes yeah like it's waxwork 2 lost in time a very Maybe it's not an underrated movie, but it's an underrated movie between my friends because, like, I love that movie and people are just yeah. like, what, really? And I'm like, no, it's so cool. But in that movie, he's going he's, – he's the same person, but when he travels back in time – he's he's relevant to that time it's not like your you know jordan from 2018 going back to medieval times you're like a peasant in medieval times but you still kind of have your memories and things like that and and you you try to like fit in so nobody's shocked to see you and you can't take necessarily like a a space gun from one thing to the other or your space gun transforms into a sword when you go back to medieval times or something like that but it always kind of reminds me of that and i love that movie and so i always think that i would love the strange well, you gotta like that TV show, and the one that Scott Bakula is in, and he played—is it Quantum Leap? Sliders? Quantum Leap. Yeah. Quantum Leap, because yeah. he's a different person in each one of those, and then he goes and does something. That's what it kind of reminded me of, because you're you're jumping in that body of something else, mm-hmm. and you really are something else until you come back here, which I thought was kind of cool. So, if you're a fan of that kind of thing, and what it does as a GM or a player. Not that we wanted to do a big show on The Strange today, but hey, we're here. Hey, we're here. Um, this is what's happening. It allows you to be super creative in the fact that, hey, this week you're into dinosaurs and you want to do a nice, cool dinosaur episode. You can go do that. But then in a couple of weeks when you're like, okay, I've, I've scratched that itch, but now I want to do something more spell jammery. I want to do something where we're flying through the stars. I can do that. Or I can do a pulp nor like I could do a black and white episode for something where everything in the world's black and white and everything's a, a detective novel, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever. And you can just pick all these different genres that you might be interested in and just let your players just play and explore and find all the cool craziness in those. And I, so I played Numenera with uh, judge James from mm-hmm. living for crits. Uh, who's just a great guy. Um, he's got a YouTube channel. He's got a fun blog. You should read about it. Um, you'll find my picture on there around Gen Con time because he took a photo of all of us because we played a really great Numenera game. But yeah. he was telling, I was asking him about the strange at Gen Con and he was like, no, it's like, you can kind of just do, it's it sound, It's so open that it sounds daunting. Like, it's just kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do. But like, like, he's like, we were ourselves and then we like jumped into Star Wars and like my wife was a, a Chewbacca and, and, and all this other stuff, in, or a Wookiee, sorry. The, mm-hmm. I, I had so don't at me. I just had so oh, many Star Wars people get really upset with me. All there was a great disturbance. I yeah. could feel it. Um, <laughs> but uh, they they did like Star Wars for a little bit, and then they jumped to like medieval fantasy, and then they kind of and so the strange is just allows you to kind of jump back and forth like that, and it it's 
it seems like how does that work but as you read the book you kind of figure it out and then that's the joy of it is you could do something like let's put this in a star wars universe or let's put this here because the mm -hmm. system is so um flexible i guess like you could really yeah. do just about anything with it like numenera's numenera is simple um and it's deceptively simple where you kind of look at it and you're like really but then as you play it, it just makes a lot of sense and it's i say numenera but numenera is cypher and cypher is numenera, yeah so. yeah it is the same system yeah. like and if you learn that one you can easily jump into the other one very quickly um and it's super it, it's it's a great system and again all these systems are great and they allow us this creative outlet. So because we've all got these presents and all these things that we bought and, and now we're just like, we're brimming with these ideas of what we want to do in our games and how, where we're going to take them and what we're going to do next. And I think it's just fun. It's just like, you know, that it's exciting. I just feel super excited about all this stuff. So, Somebody cool. in chat was saying that they hope that the uh, ex-boyfriend doesn't come looking for his stuff. That's what <laughs> I told him. I was like, oh, my God, there's some really angry ex-boyfriend. And I think... I was like, what's her name? Dude, was she mine? <laughs> she's... So the... the she, I think it was, like, this box of stuff has been at her house for, like, the last, like, eight years or something okay. like that. So she's fine. They're moving to California, which is why they're like, we want to get rid of this. Um, so I think she just was like, I don't want to pack up his stuff anymore. So there's there. I don't think you never know. Maybe I'll get a phone call out of the blue. Like, Hey, do you have my D and D stuff? And I'll be like, you know what? I understand. This is important to you. We'll, we'll, we'll come to a compromise or something. Yeah. Tell him but, he can only have it. If he starts a streaming show and he streams yeah. the game he's playing with it as yeah. proof. You gotta, you gotta run a game for me and then we yeah. can give this stuff back. Then you so. can get it back. That's how you get it back. Um, <laughs> cause it's not, I'm going to use it. <laughs> But speaking of games, we've had yeah. a couple weeks of games. Uh, well, I've had hit or miss games because the holiday season, I wasn't able to play yeah. as much as I wanted to just because people are busy. But but what's going on in games with Lucian? Well, we've been doing some of the, the Revenar campaign games. Um, I'm winding that kind of not down for the year, but I'm like wrapping up what the 2018 version of it was mm -hmm. and have been really thinking about what I want the 2019 version to be and where I want to take it. Because it was a thought experiment. When we started the whole thing, it was this idea about, I want to run a West Marches game. I want to know what that is and what that whole term means. I want to know about, can you run a game where you have players that are coming in and out constantly and the groups that are going out are never the same? And what is that like? What is it like having multiple groups living in the same world and interacting and the things they do change the storyline? So those are all things I wanted to explore. And I'm not saying I did it perfectly. I'm not even saying mine was a great version of it yet, but it gave me enough to understand where the weaknesses are and where the strengths are. Mm -hmm. And now I can try to fine tune and hone and see where I can take it um, and see what I want to do with it. I think the idea is it's one of those things that takes for a lot of time. It's one of the biggest prep campaigns i've ever taken on because all of the other stuff we've talked about dm prep we're always trying to present it to most of you out there that might become dungeon masters or game masters in a way that we don't intimidate you or scare you off because we don't want you to think oh well you've got a game coming up so now you've got 25 hours of prep before you do it that's not true but in this campaign there's way more <laughs> if you're doing this west marches multiple groups every the groups can be different every time so if you're going to do that be sure you know what you're tackling if you do it but it's it's expanded my 
skills as a as a dungeon master you got to fail sometimes to learn too so it's okay to, to try some things that didn't quite work out so there's definitely changes coming and we played a couple of games we played a game last week we played a game this week and it feels like it was fun feels like the players are enjoying it um this week was we did another cleansing of a shrine because in this land all of the previous gods have been um kind of all their shrines have been and all their temples and all their churches have been desecrated mm -hmm. so that their power has waned in this land to the point that they're only whispers at this point. And there was a, uh, an entity who wanted to do this, wanted to get rid of all of these, this religion that was here because that evil Druid felt that that's what made civilization. Like if, if you allowed churches and shrines and people to gather well, then they started making more and more civilization. They made villages, and they made towns, and they made cities, and that destroyed the land. So in this evil druid's mind, this warped evil druid's mind, if they could get rid of all of that, then the world would go back to being natural because there wouldn't be any of this congregating of people together ruining everything in their eyes. So it succeeded, but this land of Revenar, our players have come back to and now have started uncovering these shrines. So these gods are starting to awaken, we had a paladin pledge their service to a brand new god, which has allowed me to use some supplements that I bought over the years. So I got um, this year I bought from Jetpack 7 the Gods and Goddesses book 5e supplement that had a bunch of cool gods and goddesses and things you could do with paladins, some new spells, some new cleric stuff. And so we had a paladin pledge to the Lady of the Lake. It's a very Avalon style god. And so now we're going to get to see paladin mechanics that are based off of that and they've got a really good and if you've heard that name before jetpack seven they're the people that did a lot of the artwork for conceptopolis which you've seen in a lot of areas if you're looking up art for dungeons and dragon stuff but it's also the people that partnered with matt colville for his strongholds and followers book. Mm. um so you see a lot of that stuff so I, and i'm starting to get that stuff into the campaign so what has been good about that is i've got to experiment with a lot of styles a lot of short play hopefully short prep, but it's adds a lot of extra work at the end to try to manage a living campaign, almost as if I was running an adventure league on my own. But when I say living campaign, I think of it more as everybody's in the same world and everybody's affecting the same thing. So I don't know if adventure league, the way it is now is necessarily a living campaign like they used to do in the, in the back in the day, because to me, a living campaign is everybody's working towards goals. We submit what's happening and that's somehow affecting the storyline. Yeah. And I'd like to get back into or participate in somebody else's living campaign to see how they did it, just to give me ideas because I'm trying to figure it out on my own. Um, but it'd be nice to see how some other people have figured it out on their own to see what where they went with it. Um, another cool thing is I, I needed a creature that was like a rock elemental creature that um, was a guardian and was trying to make sure the players couldn't do what they wanted to do. And I stumbled across using a gargoyle as a CR2 creature, but they were rock elementals. And what I thought was cool about it is, is you might think, well, the gargoyle had a 60 foot flying um, movement speed, mm -hmm. but I use that as basically just like the Hulk leap. And so instead of that, they flew around, they just leaped around the battlefield. And I thought that was a really cool image. And it was a really cool reminder that you can take a creature wholesale, or at least the stats of it, and then just describe it in a different way, the look of it, you still have the same creature, but it has these things and you don't have to do a lot of work. You don't have to make your own creature up. Like, cause I wanted this elemental, but if I did a rock elemental, it was gonna be a CR five when I looked it up in the monster manual. 
And like, well, I don't want a CR5. That's a little too much, right? So, mm-hmm. so I was thinking, what do you do as a dungeon master if you don't have quite the creature you need? Well, you make one. Well, so we could go through and make stats and make up that stuff. Or yeah. I could just repurpose one that's out there and just say it's this other thing. And I felt like that's a really good trick to teach yourself or to practice for those of you that are out there is ways to reskin things that are familiar and they have the things you need in them. So I needed pretty good hit points. I needed an okay movement speed. And I wanted to be, I wanted to have that resistance to slashing, um, piercing and, and bludgeoning and that, you know, Oh, Hey, gargoyle fit the, fit the key right there. So it was pretty cool. So it was cool just to use something that they hadn't seen, but they'd never knew what it was. They still don't know what it was. Um, but for me, it was nice and easy to run. So that's always a good way to make like a really interesting monster. Like take a, take a regular monster and then basically you put funny hats on it and it's like, yeah, it's got four wings. It's got eight arms and it scuttles around on tentacles, but Mm -hmm. it's a gargoyle, you know, like, like statistically it's a gargoyle, but like you change it to be this like weird creature. Um, and I, I like doing that a lot because it mixes things up and it makes monsters kind of feel more memorable. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. And fights are just like, oh, remember when we took out that like four eyed thing? Like, and you're like, yeah, as I have no real good descriptors right now for <laughs> monsters, but yeah. yeah. All, all tentacles right now. You're into Cthulhu. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I like about it too, is if you're afraid of, well, I don't want to make my own because what if I make it unbalanced or I don't do the math right, or I don't figure out where the CR rating is. Cause I'm making my own thing up as I go. Is it going to be too powerful? Is it not? You could just use something wholesale, like you said, with a different hat on it. So you know the math is good. I know mm-hmm. it's a CR2 creature. It just looks different than the way they described it in the Master Mount, but I still know it's a CR2. So it's still going to fit in the math of the game. So mm-hmm. I'm not worried about it. Now, I now at some point, if you want to tackle creating your own creature and add in different things, and this has, it has you know, um, maybe it has some type of flanking maneuver. Maybe it has, um, you know, something with friends. So it gets an advantage on attacks when it's near, you know, and you want to do all these things. That's cool too. But it's also, if you just want to grab something and reskin it, that's a great way to add something to your players. And I like the idea. We've talked about this in other shows to make creatures, your players think they know slightly different. Mm-hmm. So they, even when they go, Oh, okay. It's a troll. We get it. We got to burn it so it doesn't regenerate. But if you throw some curveballs in there, it's like, yeah, it's a troll, but it ain't like any troll you've ever mm-hmm. fought. And guess what? Fire doesn't do anything to this yeah, thing. Yeah, this is and a all fire of a sudden, troll. Like, What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> so those are all good things because that's what your players want. They want, in a lot of ways, they want to know what's going on. They want their characters to be able to advance and have a cool story. But they also want to be surprised mm-hmm. a lot of times. Even if they've read that manual, monster manual forward to backward, most of them are still cool with when you tweak something or you do something that makes it more a surprise to them for the first time and something happens to them and you're just like what is this thing oh it's a demogorgon what (laughs) or what's going on you know whatever it is they're always looking for that thing or sometimes they just like fighting things they haven't fought before yeah because too often we play campaigns and it's you know the the old cliche of oh it's another band of orcs or it's mm-hmm. uh, it's another goblin horde or it's uh, it's a bunch of giant spiders because we we fight giant spiders all the time you know type thing but then you throw in something that maybe they don't fight all the time a rust monster an umber hulk mm-hmm. or uh, an owl bear or you know whatever it might be that just they're like all oh, right i finally got to fight an owl bear <laughs> yeah <laughs> the- like D guy i fought an owl bear the campaign that i'm playing in right now where i'm a uh, warforged mm-hmm. um 
after a lot of our fights, my dungeon master will say like, oh, Jordan probably knows what this is, or he knew what this was. Um, and a lot of times I don't. And I'm like, no, because he's pulling from monsters from like creature codex and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but the just thinking of like memorable monsters, the last one we fought, every time we were attacking it, it just had tears coming out of its eyes. Like it was perpetually crying these like huge tears. And when we would like cut it, um, it would it would turn to water and just kind of fall to the ground as like a limb would just turn to water. So the thing was like made of living tears. And I was like, that's so cool. And he's like, did you know what the monster was? I'm like, I had no idea. And I'm like, I don't know like if it, what's good or bad against this thing, but it was interesting to fight and it was really cool. So yeah. And I think, so we were doing that and this brought up something that was, I thought I felt like I did really good. You guys can go back and watch that episode and let me know. I wanted to make sure that they recognized the creature had some type of ability that was happening. So when they were hitting it, mm -hmm. I needed to describe it in such a way that it was giving them hints that, wait a minute, slashing weapons aren't doing as well as you might think they're doing. Like mm -hmm. they were like, oh, I got nine hit points. You know, like I did nine hit points or I did 14 hit points for my big ax. But I needed to convey to them that that's cool and that's great. But you start to realize, wait a minute, it's not biting in as hard or it's not creating as much of a wound or, or how do you explain a rock elemental when it's at full health, but now it's near quarter health, you've got to have some visual descriptor that helps them understand. Okay. It's, it's, you can't just, you don't just want to say, okay, it's at 12 hit points guys. Keep yeah. going. You know, here we go. Round number seven, let's go. You, but you want to give them something because they will just sit there and just think, Oh, are we doing any damage to this thing? Yeah. Is this, how many rounds is this going to go? How tough is this thing? So you always, I, I want to, I try to remind myself and I think I did a good job in this one where I was like, I wanted them to have indicators of where they were in the fight, how this thing was reacting to the things they were doing. If magic hit it, you know, that it did a really good amount of damage and noticeable damage to the body of this thing versus the slashing weapons and the piercing weapons weren't leaving as big a marks to try to indicate to them, hey, you might want to change your tactics up because this thing's, you know, just tougher or, you know, mm -hmm. or you need to do something. Or like with the troll, when you're talking about troll, I played with a group who'd never had played before and sent a troll at them. So they had no idea how to stop the regeneration thing. But it's up to you as a GM to somehow work that in that they figure that out if they're brand new and they don't know it. There's gotta be a way that they somehow realize without really telling them, but leading them there to say, wait a minute, this thing's regenerating. Is there a way to stop that regeneration? Is there a way to interrupt it? Or what do we have to do to get their minds thinking about that and then let them play it? Mm -hmm. you know? Because um, So, I, that's what kind of came from the last couple of games is this idea of real good descriptions about what's happening in the combat for the, the creatures and then using different creatures that have pretty normal standard stat blocks, but then putting different hats on them, putting different skins on them. So they, they feel more thematic or they're part of the theme of what's going on or, or they're kind of cool. So that was really cool. And that's what we've been doing. I've been trying to get a good Sunday game going to, to play some of the other games, but everybody's been busy over the holiday. Yeah. Um, so it's been hard to get people. Like even we were talking two weeks ago, we were saying, man, I've got all this time. I should mm -hmm. be able to play all this stuff. And then it just still works out that, okay, that all that time flew by and I, I didn't play hardly any of yeah. that stuff. I yeah, played a bunch and of computer I... games. I played a bunch <laughs> of other stuff, but I didn't quite get into the, all the role playing I wanted to. I start thinking about like, even today I've got like a full schedule, but I'm like, but I'll be available at like seven o'clock at night. Should we try and throw together a game at seven at night? So yeah. I don't know. 
I need to find that player base that can do things last minute too. Yeah. <laughs> don't have families that they spend holidays with. Like, <laughs> I was watching, we were on Twitter and I said, Grant was typing something. It was, must've been like Christmas night or something. And he's like, you know, because a lot of people, there's, there's a lot of people that holidays affect them in different ways. And obviously there's for a portion of people, it can be lonely if you don't have family, but you're seeing all these other people talking about, Oh, I just got back from my parents house now right. i'm going over to these people's house for this christmas party mm -hmm. and you see all this stuff going on and you're not really a part of any of that so there's all those feelings that some people may have out there and i totally get that so grant ellis who is in the in the, was talking about you know hey if you guys are lonely i'm gonna run a game tonight because i feel like we should just run a game i was like i immediately tweeted i'm like i need to find all these people who don't have that family but want to play role-playing games because i'm that person who don't doesn't go and do family stuff so like christmas night i could have sat down with four or five people and we could have played a game i was mm -hmm. doing nothing else you know so it was like i'm gonna make that that like almost like the lonely hearts club or the 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 something that that makes turns a negative into a positive right that that idea of oh i don't have a lot of family to hang out with that's okay that just means you have more rpg time so come yeah. hang out. <laughs> no i i thoroughly because i have all this time off from work because of the holiday break and season and i was just like i'm gonna run so many games but then it was trouble finding enough players um i found like one possibly two but i'm like i really need three or four to like make this happen uh and people were just busy so <laughs> but i'm excited for dcc on uh tuesday uh that i actually was able to gather those guys so i saw chad is stealing your fire troll idea so <laughs> oh do That's it good one. i like yeah, fire I like, yeah fire troll like and then you gotta awesome. use water or something to stop it's regenerating like throw wood on it it heals uh 1d8 uh for every <laughs> twig or chunk of wood that you throw at the fire troll yeah yeah that is awesome so but that was my week uh in running some games i'm hoping to get more games up and mm -hmm. run more we got more coming up in the next week but what did Jordan do in his game? So you've had two weeks that you've done that you haven't got to talk about your games. Where are you at on your stuff? Um, so, well, I'll talk. So my Warforged guy is level six now. Um, and like, I don't get to play a ton. So it's really awesome when I do get to play. And I have never played a fighter before. And I really wanted him to be like a master manipulator of the battlefield. So I've been using like, he's an Eldritch Knight uh, fighter and he uses lightning lure to pull creatures out of uh, certain uh, threat ranges of party members so they can get away and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. Now that I'm level six, I took the shield mastery feat. So I'm able to push with my shield. So I'm really excited to start the next uh camp or the not the next campaign but to have the next session uh because in the battlefield i'm able to like now pull and push creatures and knock them prone and do all this other cool stuff as a bonus action i can do these really neat things so uh i don't know and i just kind of like the idea of of picking uh, that's how i do a lot of my characters is i pick like a cool theme or like an idea and i kind of build it around there and this one i was like i want to be able to like move people on the battlefield and so I don't know. I'm just really excited for level six. Like it's been really fun. <laughs> it's always fun to get those characters. Out. Yeah. Cause as dungeon masters and games masters, a lot of times we focus on the story. We focus yeah. on the rules for running the story. And we, we probably know most of what the characters get, but we don't necessarily pay attention to exactly 
what the barbarian's going to get at seventh level. We usually let yeah. the player tell us. Player has hey, to let me know. They have to yeah. understand what, what they the can stats? do. Yeah. But when we're players and we get to do that, like my eighth level barbarian, who's about to be ninth level, I was really getting into some of the cool things they was getting as a zealot, you know, using that whole thing. And mm -hmm. we have just thinking of that kind of moving people around on the battlefield. Our druid kind of built his druid, a gift druid around that because he's using thorn whip to pull Mm -hmm. But he's throwing down um, the area of effect thorn vines or whatever the one that the that you take damage if you get pulled through um, the grasping vines. But it's like the, I forget the entangling. The, it's either entangle or grasping vines. It's one of okay. them does damage. One of them just makes it so you can't move. But yeah. one of them does damage. So he's pulling people through that, mm -hmm. forcing them to take the damage so they can't just sit there. Because if you just stand there, you don't take any damage. Yeah. It's only when you yeah. move through it. So he's casting that, and then he's using that whip to pull him through it. And I was like, that's kind of similar to what you're talking about. Yeah. And that's his theme. That's his thing. He's like the cheese grater move. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's pretty good. And I'm And then uh, I was thinking about my, my beautiful bard from Adventure League and how I'm like, I really miss playing that bard. I want to go back and play him because I had a whole plan for him to take, uh, is it divine weapon or holy weapon? The one where you summon a weapon and then it like fights next to you. Um, spiritual weapon. Thank you, spiritual Jordan. Weapon. That had took me, but I wanted to give him spiritual weapon so that he has his like uh, scimitar and then summon another scimitar. And so he's like fighting back to back. Like, you know, he's, he's dual wielding scimitars and then there's one behind him that's got an, a third scimitar and he's just mailing all these creatures with his bard, bardic inspiration and doing all this extra damage and, and adding bardic inspiration to his AC to, to protect himself while he's in the heat of battle. And um, that was just very uh, cinematic to me. And I never, got to realize that because he didn't get high enough level, but I still have him and he's still adventure league legal. I just have to like switch him over to the new rules for season eight. So yeah, I think I might try and adventure league again, come this February when uh, I'm able to have my Thursdays free. So that is cool. And then other than that, I've got this conundrum of my Sunday games of what do I do with my players? Because we, we kind of talked about doing planner travel and things like that. And the more I was researching, um, I read the uh, March of the Modrons module, mm -hmm. which is like a planner adventure. And you get to go to all these different planes of existence. And it kind of, they create like a hub in Sigil. And so I was thinking like, well, maybe I could have my players like make their way to Sigil and then they could do all this other stuff. But the more I think about it, the villain that I've presented them is very much tied to like dark and the, and that got me thinking of the shadow fell and i was like and my players have been to the feywild and so i was thinking it would be really cool if they could go to the opposite of the feywild like actually see the shadow fell and maybe and then i was reading that you can navigate to the shadow fell and actually move faster and farther than you can in the prime material plane so it's kind of this like this shortcut to get home and so if I can convince them that it's like the, the way to go to get home, maybe they'll enter into the Shadowfell or maybe I'll just have them like get sucked through another portal. But I think that's the plan, the direction I want to go. We'll kind of see if my players navigate that way. Uh, so, but I bought a PDF. I bought um, the Shadowfell, the fourth edition PDF uh, or the fourth edition campaign setting of Shadowfell, Gloomrot and beyond. And it's all about the city of Gloomrot, which is in the Shadowfell. And 
I've had a lot of time over the break to like be reading it. And so I've been reading through this and, and getting a whole bunch of ideas about where I want to go and paths that I want them to take. Um, I think I want to use like the hand of Vecna as something mm -hmm. and, and kind of just throw that artifact in there and see what they do with it. Uh, and then I went through that, uh, campaign setting and it really is a campaign setting it's almost like a sandbox like i if you guys are interested in the shadowfell i 100 percent think you should check out um that that fourth edition campaign setting shadowfell gloomrot and beyond because it's the city of gloomrot and there's all these different threads like if you're in the uh northwestern quadrant of the city here are some uh hooks like campaign hooks that you can use and then you the dungeon master expand upon those um it doesn't necessarily hand you but it gives you factions it gives you like here's kind of the what's going on in the city here's what's going on in uh with the the various groups in the city and how they interact with each other it's really cool so i've been reading this and then i decided to go through and because it has like a bunch of monsters that are statted for this adventure specifically and I went through and found fifth edition equivalents for it. So like we were talking earlier, like you find this uh, third edition or fourth edition monster, but it doesn't really have a fifth edition equivalent, but you can kind of be like, okay, this is like a fallen angel. So I'll use a regular angel, but I'll make his attacks necrotic rather than radiant. And you kind of mix and change it up like that. Um, so many really cool things. Now that the Raven Queen is in fifth edition mythology, there's a bunch of stuff to do with the Raven yes. Queen because that was a big fourth edition uh, goddess and and just kind of had a huge, probably the most popular aspect of fourth edition. I feel like, which is why it made its way over to fifth edition because everyone, yeah, stuff. everyone seemed yeah. to love the Raven Queen and her <laughs> dominion over death and how she's mysterious and like clerics can worship the her gods. yeah 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 like, like kind of thumbs her nose to the gods or mm -hmm. interferes with what they're doing and mysterious enough that you don't know why or what is going on and to think of somebody that's that powerful that can kind of do what they want or you know it's just yeah. it's an interesting storyline to dive into like and every warlock i meet wants to be the, the yeah. raving warlock at this point and that's what i like about her is that she's mysterious enough that it's like clerics can worship her or warlocks can have her as a patron because she operates on a different level than regular gods um and it's i don't know it's really cool so there's like a whole in in the the i feel like i'm just really talking up this mod or this campaign setting but it is really cool but there's like a whole temple to the raven queen that you can go explore um there's just like really neat stuff and how time kind of time like in the feywild time doesn't work the same so you could be there um a couple of weeks and only an hour goes by on the prime material plane or vice versa um there's a really cool crossroads uh where there's a scarecrow or like a, a corpse basically that's like hung up and he you can ask him wherever you want to go like i want to go here i want to go home and he'll point his his dead hand into the direction that you need to start walking to get there and it, and the book's so uh open about it like you could that could take you through a portal or that could point you in a direction to an adventure like that might point you to an artifact that will get you home and so I'm really looking forward. I think when my players land in the Shadowfell, they're going to come to this crossroads and they're going to have to figure out this. And, sorry, I'm really excited. So the uh, fifth edition Dungeon Master's Guide has rules for the Shadowfell. And if you're in the Shadowfell, you roll a wisdom saving throw. If you fail, 
you roll a d6 on this table that tells you what kind of like despair you have whether like a madness or or and, and it's things like you have disadvantage on death saving throws or you might have disadvantage on initiative or something like that because the overwhelming despair of the shadow fell has been causing you this problem and i've been using those rules all throughout my inverted ziggurat that they've been uh exploring because I wanted it to be tied to a dark place and I wanted this whole pyramid to have some kind of like weird connection to the Shadowfell. So I was mm -hmm. thinking like, well, when I do the Shadowfell, um, I want to use those rules again, but I want them to be more powerful. Should I just up the DC? Should like, how should I do this? Well, in Gloomrod and Beyond, there is the Despair deck and it's a deck of 30 cards and players, when they're in a situation, like if they see their friend go down or when they first enter the Shadowfell or pretty much any time the Dungeon Master wants to have them pull from this deck for maybe they fail something that causes the overwhelming despair of the Shadowfell to, to connect with them on a way, they pull from this deck. And it has, uh, and it's for fourth edition. So I'm like, well, it's not going to really work. Well, if you do enough Googling, you find that somebody online has made a fifth edition version of it. Yeah. And so I took that, I printed out those cards, and now I've got this despair deck that I'm very excited to use because not only does it add a, a, a negative effect for them, but if they do something positive, like if they win a battle or if they roll a natural 20 or if they have like a really cool scene or moment in role play, then mm -hmm. they can have a chance to overcome their despair. So let's mm -hmm. say you have disadvantage on death saving throws. If you overcome that through a roll or through some kind of like really cool feat, you now have advantage on death saving throws. So it spins the negative that you are handed into a positive um, if you like work at it. And so it's a really cool mechanic that I'm excited to use for my game. Um, and then the more I was reading this, the more I'm just like, I feel like the Shadowfell is the right place to go. I just have to get him there somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so currently, they're, the, the inverted cigarette lifted off of the ground and is heading towards the city. Um, I think I told you guys this two weeks ago, but I gave them a magic carpet that they can fly around on so they're going to fly towards the ziggurat and hopefully land it try to stop it um, but inside there's this churning mass of despair darkness that is fueling this ziggurat and it's going to be some kind of a portal to the shadow fell so we'll see we'll see where it goes but That'd be good and they want to go home they want to go home and they that it could home. be their way home so <laughs> well it is their way home it's just there's adventure in between is kind of the yeah. idea so <laughs> But man, it's That's really good. cool. It's really yeah. fun. And we'll we'll see where it goes. There's like Cult of Vecna, there's all kinds of stuff, which is yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. So and that's about like it. The, yeah, I like the idea that it's reusing fourth edition stuff. So it's like even though there's this wide range of stuff they created for different versions, mm -hmm. you can still go out and grab that. Like in my Revenor game, I'm using a module that was from A D and D. Oh yeah. And put it in in there wholesale and i went through and i refigured some of the creatures and stuff to make it work but it's still a gary gygax adventure in my campaign because you don't have to just say oh this is fifth edition so i can only use fifth edition stuff. yeah i know it just doesn't work that way. everything yeah. can fit in everything can work and i love yeah it. just replace the monsters um there was a dungeon crawl classics game that i kind of uh tweaked to work for fifth edition because a lot of times those puzzles and those challenges are the same 
it's mm-hmm. just kind of monsters and maybe skills that you have to change. But the more you play, the more you feel comfortable doing that. Um, and I think the more you will look for inspiration in other sources and uh, older adventure, excuse me, older adventure modules are a great way to do that. So yeah, mm-hmm. super fun. <laughs> um, happy new year, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope that 2019, I hope you guys are as excited for 2019 as Lucian and I are, because we have, I wouldn't say big plans, but we've definitely got plans and we want to implement those and and see not only the Saturday morning D&D channel grow, but like our personal YouTubes and, and Lucian's Twitch and things like that. And just uh, be a bigger presence on the uh, the net in general in our, in our tabletop community. So uh, it's just exciting. Like, I don't know. It's really fun. Yeah. Love doing the show with you. Love hanging out. It's really great. Yep. And I'm, I'm super happy and, and glad that we have people that show up to the live stream, but there's a plenty of group of people that will go to the YouTube and they'll watch that and they'll comment on there. Mm-hmm. We see them a lot. And there's a growing group that's listening to us on the podcast. So it's yeah. great to have these different communities coming up. And, and I just want to be able to interact with a lot of you as much as we can in this upcoming year. So keep at it. Keep keep supporting us, keep coming out and hanging out. And that's all we want to do is just hang out and talk with you guys and, and help out where we can. Cause I think overall the show has always been about encouraging people to jump into that passion that we have, which is not only playing the game, but becoming a dungeon master or a game master in that game and then introducing it to other people. And we're hoping that's what this does is just help with that, getting you started, help us talk through things. You can hear us, how we do stuff. And it's not magic. It's not rocket science. It's anybody can really do it. Um, and hopefully we're helping you, you know, helping yeah. your game. And stuff. to realize that every dungeon master has these problems. Like we're yeah. what we're presenting and what we're talking out and trying to figure out, um, like having writer's block, not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and I, it was a couple weeks ago that I'm just like, I don't know where to take them. Like, what do I do? And now I've, I don't have it all figured out, but I've got, uh, I've got a general game plan because of, just reading and getting excited and and working through that writer's block, you know? And so the problems that Lucian and I has have as dungeon masters, every dungeon master has. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you shouldn't be intimidated by that. You should just get out there and run some games. So <laughs> run more games, run more games. <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will close out our, our stream. Thank you guys so much for coming out to the Saturday morning D&D show. We love having you watching us live and chatting with us. Um, it's just always super fun. You can catch us live on uh, Twitch on Sir Lucian's channel. That's uh, twitch.tv slash Sir Lucian. Um, or you can catch us on the Saturday morning D&D show YouTube channel. We also stream there. Um, if you like us as a podcast, please rate us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps out the podcast and gets the word out there. So that's really awesome. Um, and with that, any final thoughts, sir? Nope. This is it for this year. Thanks for 2018. It's been awesome. I want to see every one of you go bring your friends and your family into 2019 because we want to make 2019 even better. Yeah, it's going to be super fun. We'll see you next year, everybody. Thank you so much for watching. Take care. Bye-bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.